Okay, everybody, uh, welcome to this episode of our From the Earth to the Moon podcast. Uh, I'm Doug, joined by Peter. Welcome, Peter. Welcome, Doug. And we're, you know, this is, we're getting, we're getting to the end, you know, to, uh, to steal a line from, uh, from Jim Lovell and Apollo 13, a couple of bumps and we're hauling the mail. You know, we have two episodes left here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I, I heard a rumor they're going to cancel the program after Apollo 17. <laughs> it's my worry as well. Hopefully we get to fly. I don't know. Where you and I are tentatively scheduled for Apollo 19. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, more like 19 million. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so today we are going to talk about episode 11, the original Wives Club, uh, which aired May 10th, 1998, and is directed by Sally Field, who I guess Tom Hanks knew as his mom from Forrest Gump, um, and is written by Karen Jansen, Tom Hanks, and Eric Bork. Um, and this is a big departure from the show. Um, ostensibly, what you would expect to be an episode about Apollo 16 just judging by the way the series has run up to this point, really only makes the most passing mention of Apollo 16. Um, yeah, and it's sort of a vehicle to yeah, refer back metaphor. to the wives, right, for uh, where they are losing a wedding ring in flight. And that, right, that's which, sort is of a, which is really a metaphor for their all of their marriages. Exactly. <laughs> Um, they should have had them like losing a wedding. Yeah, I was saying they should have had them losing a wedding ring in a in a hotel in St. Louis, <laughs> right? Or, right with the right at a strip club. Um, uh, but this right. So this, as the, as the title suggests, that uh, this episode really focuses on uh, the astronauts' wives, really from the early days of the uh, the manned spaceflight program uh, to sort of a tale to sort of at, at the end, sort of a la. You know, Animal House. Uh, we get a little bit of text about each of the, the the wives we've seen in the episode. Let's just know how they did over the long term, and we'll go through that. And we do start out with uh, Apollo 16 on route to the moon, and we see uh, Ken Mattingly, Charlie Duke, and John Young. And uh, Ken Mattingly, uh, last seen not having the measles during Apollo 13, um, has lost his wedding ring. And he is worried about the consequences to his marriage if his wedding ring is not found. Mm-hmm. And and, it's floating around in the capsule. Right. And then at this point now, you know, we've seen the uh, command module set many times in this episode. Um, uh, and we then segue to an incredibly awkward scene of the, the wives doing a fashion show wearing, right. I guess, what can only be called the most hideous of outfits let's just say it's of the time and probably not even of that time even i think it was probably kind of out even in 1970 or whatever it was the late 60s probably was when it was supposed to be and, but, and one of the points i think of the fashion show too is that well some of the astronauts wives are attractive many of them are you know are not like these are you know middle-aged women who have had a couple of children and they're you know they're they're a few years past their prime and they're kind of being dolled up for the press and they are clearly very uncomfortable with this fashion show, several of the wives. Yeah, and, and the basically 
yet another recurrent metaphor right in the episode is they're basically trotted out in front of the public done up and in a in a forced way right and paraded out on stage and the fashion show is also a metaphor for their entire public life uh, and what they have to go through all the time and uh, they're they're not all as comfortable with it you know some of them more so than others some of them are more let's you could say in reference to the Mercury astronauts, some of them are more John Glenn smooth and some of them are uh, a little bit, a little rough around the edges. Right. And um, what was I going to say? Um, you know, they're also, they're only sort of discussed in light of their husbands, right? You know, right. Pat White, wife of Ed White, the first American, you know, to do a walk in space. Like their, their only context for the, for the viewer is, their husband's accomplishments right it's mrs white and but you know i mean it's it's harder for us to watch because things have changed um it's, it's 50 years later things are not the same socially and and so it's it's a little tougher to, to watch now um because i mean women weren't expected they were they didn't have equal um ability to do things like have a career or go to school um, right, then, fly military jets. Right. Um, or, you know, even in certain everyday things, access was, was quite uh, restricted. Um, so uh, of the time, it's a little different, but I think that they're clearly, many of them are very uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, the whole point of the episode is to show thing to show that the astronauts weren't the only ones that sacrificed and see things from the wives from the home viewpoint um, and i and i think the wives i mean reading about this and there have been other shows about this obviously uh but you know i think some of the wives had very diverse takes on it and for example you know uh betty grissom said many times and you know for example tom wolf talks about this in the right stuff and you see this in the right stuff film you know betty griffin felt that you know she was owed like right. she was owed for all the suffering that she went through in Gus's career, and you know they wanted to capitalize on right. their fame to the extent that they could. Um, you know, like the the astronauts, even in the later groups, shared in the time life contract, and you know were getting money from interviews with Life magazine, and right. Uh, whereas some of them wanted nothing to do with the limelight, i.e., you know Jan Armstrong, right, or uh, Pat White, even you know was had a difficult time and then didn't obviously ed white was killed in the apollo one fire and she i guess you know even though she went off and and started a new or at least right well, we'll get, wait point. don't give it away don't give it away yeah. but uh but you know it, it actually the, the the pat white character um is is almost really sort of i guess the pat white character and the susan borman character are kind of the two that are most focused on in the episode, well, Lovell also because she's a well, yeah, she, she's true. the one that handles you know she's perhaps the most comfortable, right? She's sort of very she handles things very well and is a central character, and those other two less so. Um, I think Joe Anderson kind of steals this episode as Pat White. I mean, yeah. she is. You know, we've seen her over the course of the series a little bit here and there, but she, she really kind of has a star turn in this episode. Um, and, and she just does a fantastic job with it. Um, I think you it's know, a little like, slow, the episode, except for a few scenes, you know, where they're really, the, the, there are a few intense scenes, but, um, you know, 
notably some of the scenes with her. I, you know, by the way, I thought that was Julianne Moore playing Pat White the first time I saw this. Because she looks just she looks, like Julianne Moore. Yeah, there's quite a resemblance. Uh, but it's not. It's uh, it's Joe Anderson. But I don't know. I mean, she does a lot. I think, she, I think honestly, from an emotional point of view, for me, she kind of carries the episode because, you know, she pays the ultimate price, not once, but twice. Yeah. Um, uh, what was I going to say? I also, I think that uh, Deborah Jo Rupp does a good job as Marilyn C., uh, that's Liz Perkins as Marilyn Lovell. Mm-hmm. Um, Sally Field, I don't know if you noticed, has a small bit as Trudy Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rita Wilson, of course, plays uh, Susan Borman. Right. Um, and then, uh, so after the after the fashion show scene, which is really hard to watch. You know, I used to not like this episode. This is one that I used to skip over. Uh, but, you know, now I'm older and I've been married uh, a long time. Uh, so I think I have more interest in this episode because it's really about marriage more than it's about space. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after the, like I said, after the dreadful fashion show, um, we now flash to September of 1963, um, and it's a uh, arrival in Timber Cove, mm-hmm. right? And we see uh, Marilyn Lovell with the kids showing up essentially to a, a damp and you know, sorry, a dusty but humid lot uh, where she's being told. You know, this is where her house is going to be built, and it's just weeds in a swamp, essentially. Right. Um, sort of showing how early the, you know, the manned spacecraft center was in Houston, and they got there to do all this stuff, and really everything was, you know, it was sort of like the Manhattan Project, like when they got out there to Los Alamos, like there was, they were sleeping in tents, you know, like they got there before the, the support was there. Land was cheap. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Johnson made sure of that. President Johnson. Uh, I guess, yeah, uh, definitely land was cheap back then. You know, um, it's worth a side note, but Johnson, like, he did everything he possibly could to get NASA into Texas. Like, that was a huge project of, of uh, President Johnson's. Good move. And when they drew up the when they drew up the plans for where potential sites for it would be, he just basically made sure that it, it described Texas. Like that was kind of like how he winged it, uh, <laughs> you know, near near a body of water, near the equator, you know, accessible to like local highways of X lanes or more. Like he just was like he just basically looked around Houston and said, "I'll just write it to describe Houston." Right. Um. And, you know, the astronauts' wives are told, you know, essentially by NASA and by the other wives, you know, stay out of the way. Don't burden your husband. Anything that you say or do that's wrong will reflect negatively on them and their uh, their position in the flight line. Yeah, and they, right, they really, they, they have a little community and they teach each other. Uh, you know, the the veterans teach the newcomers and it goes down the line and it's it's a it's a pretty exclusive club and you get a sense that to the extent that they can they're they're fairly tight knit you know like who else could they really talk to nobody else could really understand what they're going through yeah they're they're not and it's not it's not the age of it's not the age of the tell all or you know the age of exposé this is before then so this is when People kept things under the rug, and so there's nobody. They're not going to talk to anyone else. You know, my mom always says that. Uh, my mom is approaching eighty to the, for the listeners. My mom always says that when when she, when she was younger, people didn't talk about everything that was personal all the time. And then she pauses and goes, "It was better." Right. 
Um, and then we see in August of 65, sort of highlighting what we've just been talking about, we, uh, Jim Lovell discovers that Marilyn Lovell has been hiding her pregnancy from him for four months uh, because she's afraid that it'll make trouble for his flights. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, you know, he's kind of conflicted because on the one hand, he's a little offended. He's a little insulted, but he also understands why she did it. Yeah. And the more time the episode passes, the more stuff she he understands in the end how much stuff she kept from him and how much right. she was doing behind the scenes. And for some years. of it was to keep it from him to protect him, and some of it was just he was too busy to notice. You right. know? Right. Or, or maybe Right, or maybe she told him and he forgot and you know, it never came up again because she just handled it. Well, she says to him that, you know, she she had to decide what kind of he had time to deal with or what she would tell what was the item she was going to tell him that day and uh she said there were a lot of things she kept from him Mm -hmm. and that that's one of the great kind of denouement scenes uh later on in the episode when he kind of we we come back to the level kitchen right um we then of course uh when elliot c and charlie bassett die uh we see that uh marilyn lovell gets a call to head over to Marilyn C's house and right, she essentially gets there before keep her on the undertaker ice. basically right yeah keep her on ice until uh until somebody from NASA can get there which is you know it's kind of duplicitous she has to kind of go over there on false pretenses and be self smile and sort of keep her busy it's a little weird it is a little weird but i wonder if i wonder if it's sort of a military thing you know like i wonder if that's like a military wife thing that was extrapolated out to NASA just doesn't seem like a good idea because basically anytime anybody comes over you're gonna start getting jumpy you know like they come over and you're thinking like are they coming over because is the husband dead is the undertaker coming up the driveway in five minutes or are they actually coming (laughs) over to borrow some sugar right or bring me a deviled egg yeah yeah well you could imagine i mean how tough it must have been for them for you know years and years and years of going through this Right. And it's not like it was just the launch. I mean, you know, like we talk about um, T-38s being fatal. I mean, they went off to do something dangerous day in and day out for years, you know. I mean, they could drown in the training tank. They could, you know, it was was like constant danger. They could drown in the tank. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, no, they, could, they could have a fire on the pad during the plugs out test, right? right it Which could should be have been anything. super safe, right? And you know, Neil Armstrong on the Lem simulator, and I mean, it was just like constant danger. Um, and and you know, they don't get a lot of uh, reward for all this. And I think, for example, like the scene where Pat McDivitt and Pat White go to talk to the Gemini Four crew, right? Jim and Jim McDivitt, Ned White. Uh, where they go into the to the moker and they they put on headsets and they try to talk to their husbands, you know this scene, it sort of shows like this is supposed to be a big plum thing for them that they get to actually come in and and you know talk on the radio for you know sixty seconds and say nothing. Well, and say nothing, and it's also kind of clear that their husbands are kind of like irritated by this, right? You know, push well, the button, honey, honey, push the button. I can't hear you. You know, like. <laughs> They don't really have much to say, like, you know, like, it's kind of like this awkward moment, you know, and like, the everybody's listening, like, what can they really say to their wives when it's, you know, when everybody can hear it and, right. you know, it's just like some sort of like pablum, as you like to, as you like to say. Right. Well, they know that it's BS before it even happens, whereas the wives have never probably been there 
like that and are ushered in with you know their hair getting caught in the the headsets you know i mean it's just right it's just to show that they're fish out of water they're so it's so awkward for them being there and you know the, i think just the husbands know it's like kind of a it's kind of a stunt or it's gonna have right, a little dog and pony show for the press right you know so they can go out and then give a, a 60 second press conference after they talk and say how wonderful it was right you know they're more like listen i want to eat my plat my ziploc bag of pureed turkey <laughs> so let's get this over with and i've got a pee <laughs> right and my you know i just leaked uh urine in the the thing that seal out of broke. my condom catheter right the seal broke and i gotta i gotta get so right oh by the way your wife is on the line yeah um i just peed in ed white's face <laughs> <laughs> um no wonder he was climbing out of that capsule <laughs> Uh, and then uh, we sort of jump forward um, where Pat White uh, gives voice. And this is supposed to be, you know, very unusual. She actually gives voice to the fact that she is afraid for Ed. Right. And she worries that he could die. And then in perhaps the most heavy handed metaphor of the episode, <laughs> a match is lit. Hmm. <laughs> She's worried about Ed and a match is lit. So and little, close up. Yeah. Right, a super yeah. A close up match burns. It's not great. It's not great. And then we see Jan Armstrong sent over um, to uh, to Pat White's house uh, on the day of the Apollo One fire. Who played Pat? Who sorry? Who played Jan Armstrong? I don't know. Well, I don't know who played Jan Armstrong. You know what I didn't, I didn't like about the this episode? It's they. It's it's very very. It's heavily edited in for for. Um, um, for non-linearity of time. And it's to the extent that, you know, they, they try to keep it comprehensible by going back to certain things over and over again, like, like little, like snippets of the, the fashion show snippets of Apollo 16 in the air of the wedding, you know, or, or sorry, in, in, uh, on the way to the moon, um, and the wedding ring and, uh, occasionally like the wives speaking, there, there's a bunch of recurrent scenes, the wives speaking in one of their living rooms. Um, and then it's interspersed and those, those scenes serve as they're, they're trying to, you know, show the sweep of time that they have to deal with things. And those recurrent scenes kind of serve as a, um, a place to sort of orient you. Um, but the ones, the good scenes are the ones that are, are not those scenes. The good scenes are the, the ones in between that are the one-offs that are there. Basically their conversations generally one-to-one with each other or, you know, where they're speaking to each other and they, they are able to express how miserable they are or their concerns or like the scenes with the, as with the couples, the astronaut and his wife, where they maybe they reach a moment of of true understanding about something, mm-hmm. and that was the that's that's the thing that I think is a little weak about the episode. Although I do I do like some of the scenes where the wives are sort of sitting around talking amongst themselves. By the way, Anne Cusack plays Jan Armstrong uh, mm-hmm. in the. I don't know. I, I like some of those scenes, but again, this is, I, I mean, look, this is, you know, not the most subtle of programming, but, uh, you know, this is a very heavy handed show, but yeah. you could imagine that they probably felt that they had to do an episode like this. Like they, I guess they could have interspersed it throughout, 
But then it would have felt like, okay, here's the five minutes about the wives or just do a whole episode on them like they ended up doing. Like, for example, I think that the, the Susan Borman um, storyline is really interesting. Yeah, that that is it's one of the good parts of the episode, especially the scene where she's talking to Frank Borman when she's in treatment. Right. And, and she's in she's embarrassed and she feels like she let him down. So, so Susan Borman, just for the listeners, uh, we learned that in her anxiety and fear over the Apollo on fire, that Susan Borman turns to alcohol and then very, very uh, quickly is going from an occasional drinker to a regular drinker to a daytime drinker. And she herself basically realizes, um, that she's not becomes that she's becoming or is an alcoholic and ends up, I'm assuming putting herself in treatment. Um, yeah, I think recognizing that she's got to do something right. She's that's actually that's a really good scene though, where she's at the hair salon and she's reading some sort of throwaway article yeah. in a women's magazine. Cosmo. And there's like a quiz, like "Are you an alcoholic?" and she starts checking all the boxes. Right, and she sort of flees the uh, flees the hair salon to take the test at home in private. You know where where she sort of is forced, you know, to come to the realization that she has a huge problem. I mean, I will say though that, you know, I frequently take those Cosmo tests, quizzes, and <laughs> I'm, I'm too dependent on my man. <laughs> 10 ways to please your lover. <laughs> um, and, you know, some of this is, and this is these, these scenes of, of, um, of Sue Borman, you know, turning to alcohol or, you know, now we're starting to see like, you know, we're at the midpoint of the episode and we're starting to see cracks in the facade. Right. Right. Like it, it's they're not just tense. They're not just stressed. They're not just scared. Like it's starting to really take a toll on them. It's affecting their their lives in deeper ways. And for example, Pat White, we are then told, leaves Timber Cove like she moves away and the other wives, you know, feel bad. But they they understand like she's no longer a member of the club. Right. And it's too painful for her to be there. And she leaves. Well, that, that's a great scene where I, which I forget which other wife she's with, but she says, you know, they really people want to they want to be with Ed or they want to talk to Ed, uh, not her. And so now there's Ed's gone and she's still there and Ed's dead. So she wants to move away so that she can try to have her own life. Although it's interesting, there's a there's a scene there where uh, Faye Stafford, um, I wonder who plays Faye Stafford, but the woman who plays uh, Wendy Crewson, who plays Faye Stafford, says that it's better to be widowed than divorced. Yep, because you get out with your dignity. Right. And now they're starting to see. Right. And this sort of comes out of the context where they have a discussion about Don Isley, who they're all pissed at because he got a divorce and didn't lose his flight. So he taught the other astronauts, you can do it. Right. right? You don't have to stay with the wife. And I thought that was a really sort of interesting comment from Faye Stafford. Right. Yeah. Like, I love my husband, but better he dies and he's with somebody else. And honestly, you could understand why they would feel that way after all the shit they've gone through. Yeah. There's no question. Um, and again, uh, so again, now we're starting to see the fractures, right? Sue Borman is drinking, right? Faye Stafford would rather be a widow, right, than a divorcee, right? Don Isley's affair is out in the open and he survives his divorce. And then we are told, you know, that Pat White remarries. Yeah. Right? She's, she's moving on. She hasn't just left. She's moving on. 
right? And now we're starting to see other divorces, right? We, we, we come back to Barbara Young, right? Wife of John Young, Apollo 16 mission commander. And he divorces her before Apollo 16. And she doesn't even really get the benefits of being the wife at the launch, right? She's just like a schnook. Yeah. You know, she has to stay at that shitty hotel. There's no VIP gallery. She's just watching it from miles away, like, you know, all the other schnooks. She's just a nobody now. It's kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, sort of like we talked about um, in the last episode about how Al Warden, you know, like he, he flies to the moon on Apollo 15, and then when Apollo 17 takes off, I think it was 17, you know, by then he had been drummed out, and, uh, yeah. you know, he just he had to watch it from the river like everybody else. And when he told people around him that he had flown a prior mission, no one believed him, you know? <laughs> sure you did. Move over. You're in my kid's way, right? Yep. Um, so we see Ken Mattingly. Uh, we're back to Apollo 16. Um, while uh, Ken Mattingly does his stand-up EVA, and the wedding ring is uh, recovered. Um, sort of, I guess, like a little bit of a hopeful note for some of these astronaut weddings. Um, and then we jump to June of 72, right? Nine years uh, after our arrival in Timber Cove when the Lovells are leaving. And, uh, you know, that's the scene that you were alluding to where, where Jim sort of really, you know, as they're cleaning out their house for the last time before they, they leave Houston, you know, they realize or sorry, Jim realizes the extent to which he missed his kids' childhoods and the extent to which Marilyn just had a shoulder and incredible burden on her yeah. own. Right. right, and he didn't even realize, and uh, you know that's that's a very good scene too. And that also, they you know they're a they're the surviving you know they're one of the few surviving couples, right. I guess. Right, I, you know, I think that the end of the episode, which we're almost to, is I think like the one of the most shocking parts of the episode is how many of them divorce. Right, right, um, and you know you kind of get a sense that Lovell is embarrassed, you know, and a little ashamed. Uh, but he understands why Marilyn did it. Yeah. Um, and, you you know, that, that scene sort of ends with them kind of, it's like, it's implied that their marriage is now the stronger for it. And he has a new appreciation of her. Yeah. And then we, we cut to the Institute for Living where uh, Susan Borman is an inpatient undergoing rehab. Um, and she sort of confesses to Frank how ashamed she is. And she's afraid that she's embarrassed him. Didn't live up to his standards. Right. And Frank sort of has a, a, a moment of understanding and all a similar sort of moment of realization. And he feels obviously guilty himself. And um, that's also a good scene. Um, and, you know, um, Dave Andrews, who plays Borman in this episode, he's played Borman throughout the show. You know, he does a lot like like, you know, Borman is, is by all accounts, a stern guy and kind of a difficult person. And, you know, like this is kind of the one time in the episode in this in the series where you kind of see a like a more warm side to him. And we've seen him be thoughtful during the Apollo one hearings. But right. this is kind of the first time we see him warm and you could kind of perhaps for the first time see why maybe she fell in love with him. Like maybe this is the side of himself that he only showed to her. Right. No one else saw this. Right. right. He shows vulnerability to her and and he, he really feels responsible. Like it's it's a very good scene. He did, it's it's very well done. And he he's excellent in it. And he realizes that some of this is his fault. 
Yeah, he's responsible, and he looks exactly like Frank Borman as we. <laughs> he really does. I think the said. real Frank Borman's a little shorter, but he really does look like him. It's amazing. Um, and then uh, we return to the fashion show, I believe, at the end, uh, and then we get a little roll call. Uh, right, Pat White. We are we are told committed suicide. Nineteen eighty three. Yeah, she didn't come to the astronaut wives reunion. Marilyn C was they lost touch with her. Jane Conrad divorced. Jane Jan Armstrong divorced. Faye Stafford Much divorced. Much later, by the Armstrong divorced. I think in yeah nineteen ninety something. Uh, Barbara Young divorced. Pat McDivitt divorced. Yeah. Um, Lovells and Borman stay married. So yeah. of the astronauts we focused on really. Uh, Really just, you know, of the ones that they focus on, obviously there's a lot more, but the couples that the show has focused on, uh, you know, overwhelmingly end in uh, divorce. Right. And and so the, the episode, it well, this is, sounds weird, but it ends strong in a, you know, not a good way, <laughs> but it ends, it ends well uh, in terms of um, impact. Um and and it makes its point. Yeah, and and you know you um you you know you kind of get a sense of a lot of years of tension and stress and strife, and you know nobody can live in that sort of crucible forever without having a break at the seams in one way or the other. Do you know what I mean? Like of it's not it's surprising that there were so many divorces at a time when divorce was super rare. Yeah. Right. Well, it this took is, some of them a long the, time. I mean, look at Armstrong. I mean, it went into the nineties. You know, you know and a lot yeah, of them divorced you, in the eighties too. But you know, it's funny because this this show, for example, in, in contrast to the right stuff, like the right stuff has overt scenes showing and discussing astronaut infidelity. Yeah. Uh, whereas here, like it's handled a little more obliquely, like there's talk of Don Isley that, you know, they don't actually show really Don Isley off with his other woman to a large extent. Uh, but, you know, it was this was, you know, rampant throughout the astronaut corps and all of the astronaut biographies that I've read talk about this. Um, like in the right stuff, for example, they call them cookies, like the young girls who yeah. sort of find their way to whatever hotel the astronauts they were at and, you know, find their way to the bar and, you know, sort of hurl themselves at these guys. Right. Uh, but but all of the astronauts talk about it in their books. Well, yeah, I'm sure they were like rock stars or anybody else right so as tom wolf called it you know they were single combat warriors mm -hmm. right fighting the soviet union you know and they're on the cover of life magazine when people actually read magazines you know and, and yep. there there wasn't you know 24 7 news media you know and the whole country read uh the whole country read every issue of life every week you know what i mean right and you know they they could get, you know, you had, you probably, I'm sure that, you know, Jim Morrison had the same, uh, and Jimi Hendrix had the same problem, but they weren't getting the farm girls hurling themselves at them, whereas these guys crossed all boundaries. <laughs> right. But the other thing, too, I mean, in, in stark contrast, you know, when you're Jim Morrison and Jimi Hendrix, you're expected to sleep with those girls. That's, that's right. half the reason that people become rock stars. Right. Breaking right? through the other side. You can sleep with the... Right? <laughs> You can sleep with the groupies. Marlon Brando in his uh, in his autobiography, I think it's called Songs My Mother Told Me. Yeah. He talks about how um, when he was on Broadway doing Streetcar, 
you know, like there was no knowledge of any of this stuff and that like maybe these people could be crazy. And Marlon Brando said that like he publicly told people where he lived all the time and he would be laying in bed on a Tuesday night and the door would get a knock on the door and he'd open the door and there'd be some girl and he would be like, step right in. You know, like he didn't think twice. Right. And all, and you know, they had penicillin. (laughs) It was all you needed. Um, What was I going to say? Yeah. But so, you know, it's not surprising that a lot of these marriages ended in divorce. But again, you know, these are supposed to be, you know, these aren't entertainers, right? Yeah. Who, quote unquote, have loose morals, as the old joke goes, right? These are supposed to be like the the most red-blooded, pure-hearted specimens of manhood that the United States can produce. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to, to, to find out that they were running around and, you know, sleeping around and had, you know, literally a girl in every port. Um you know, like that, that was not part of the image that the Life magazine wanted to sell. I guess unless you were Jack Swigert, right? Jack could get away with it. Like Jack was, <laughs> no, because he, he was a bachelor. Right. So, you know, like, so it was hip and cool for him. You know, like they even joked about it, right? There's that scene in, in Apollo 13 where they show Dick Cavett sort of joking about his bachelor status, right? Sort of yep. foolishly bringing chocolates and flowers with him to the moon. Um but, you know, to, just to sort of take a 10,000-foot view, I, like I said, I did not like this episode when I first saw it uh, 20 years ago, uh, but I think it. I think now I really like it. Like, it's not a fun one. It's not on my real list of ones to watch, but, like, like when I booted this up and watched it, I was, you know, 15, 20 minutes in, I was, I was like, wow, this is a lot better than I remembered. Yeah, I kind of like the Which way it probably says up. more about me than the episode, but whatever. I, don't know, I, just, I still think it's a bit... Um... I mean, I'm I'm Captain Nonlinear, you know, but I it's just it's a little much jumping around. <laughs> Can I call you Captain Nonlinear from now on? <laughs> yeah, that actually is how I refer to myself in general. <laughs> I start out as Sergeant Nonlinear, and I've worked my way up. Right, right, right. You got you actually got a commission. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything else on this one? No. Next time. Yeah. Next is the. Next episode. is our big wrap-up. So uh, join us uh, next time for our uh, episode 12 recap, and uh, that will round out from the Earth to the Moon. Uh, as always, uh, we've included links to uh, scenes from the episodes uh, that we're discussing, as well as relevant scenes um, uh, sort of showing the real events described in the episode that we're discussing as well. Yeah. And All right. Check out our other podcast, which is Popcorn Drink Combo. Uh, yes, yes, please check out popcorndrinkcombo.com. It's really good. It's broad, and we cover a wide uh, range of new and old films. See you next time. All right, thanks. <laughs>